good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Well, it's been a good week, and uh, it might be a pretty good weekend with a little bit of rain here and there, but that's okay. For the next hour or so, we're going to be talking about gardening, just talking about it, so it's all right whether you can do it or not. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. You've tuned into the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer today is the awesome Liz Gill. We're going to be talking about nothing but gardening, though, and it is a live program. We're going to have call-ins, got some cheesy music, got some emails, a few events, interesting interview coming up, a very interesting interview coming up, but mostly it's about us, us and our gardens. So the next next five or six minutes, sit back, relax while we do a little bit of news, and we're going to come back with your live calls here on the Gestalt Garden. Folks, the next hour or so, we're going to be getting dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we are live this morning. We're going to be talking about gardening, and that's it. Just going to talk about it. Uh, it's been a great week this past uh, few days. A whole week seemed like really warm weather, plenty of moisture. I got a bunch of stuff planted. <laughs> Set out some roses, uh, interesting old garden roses, and uh, my my uh, old-fashioned garden mums are in full bloom. I've got several different kinds. You may be familiar with the one called Clara Curtis. Some people call her Country Girls, big old pink thing, floppy-looking plant. Well, I've uh, been seeking far and wide and from Texas to, to uh, South Carolina to Oklahoma. I've got all different kinds of this. Clara Curtis ain't the only pretty thing in town. We've got pink ones and red ones and golden ones and yellow ones and white ones. And they're all kind of a floppy thing, but they bloom nonstop every October, November. Hard freeze of last week. Didn't even slow them down. So anyway, that's the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about. And if there's some things on your mind, give us a call. It's toll-free, mpb ring Got a very interesting interview coming up in a few minutes. I think uh, I, I don't do that many interviews, and I rarely recommend products. But this is a real special product from a real special guy. We're going to be talking uh, to a guy named Pat Stone with Green Prince Magazine coming up in just a few minutes. Meanwhile, um, let's start out. And uh, let me see which line is blinking here. Jerry is calling from Ashland. Hey, Jerry, how are you this morning? Uh oh, nobody's in there pushing buttons. Where'd Liz go? There we go. <laughs> Liz, it's not just me pushing buttons now. Good morning, Jerry. How are you, sir? Uh oh, I'm not sure what's going on here. Okay. Yeah, I know you and your family are all all military, so that's a good thing. And and I did note that the the fellows in Washington. Called off the hearings in time to not interfere with your Okay, strategy. okay, hang on. Oh, yeah, that's that's right, that's right. Well, luckily, gardening is nonpartisan. Yeah, it is. So, <laughs> listen, uh, my question today is about trees. I had two, I think they're like uh, sour magnolias in front of my house, between my house and the power line. Sour magnolias. Oh, well, they're just big, big trees, big leaves. Oh, great big leaves. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they bloomed uh, a nice purplish-violet flower right, right. twice a year. And they were interfering with the power lines, and, and I was afraid to come down the house in a big storm, so I, I, I cut them down, and now I kind of have tree cutters with morse. <laughs> you can't put I, it I back do. on. <laughs> yeah, I can't put it back. I got about two feet of the, uh, the stump left. I wonder if I could either leave that and let them kind of come up from there and pick a funky-looking shrub out of them, or 
if you could recommend something else. I got about 40 feet of space between my house and the power lines. I'm just wondering. I, I don't mind deciduous trees. I don't mind trees that bloom. I don't mind raking up leaves. Yeah, yeah. But, well, there's so there there's so many so many choices. You know, um, you know, the, I wouldn't even know where to start. I've, I've got a list of really good dependable trees, but you know, to answer your first question, if you just leave those stumps alone, they they should sprout back out in the spring. Uh, if you decide to go with them instead of treating them, I would thin out sometime by the middle of the summer, I would thin out the sprouts to just two or three or four main ones and then uh, let it take it from there. You know, you could actually cut it off to just one. It'll quickly become a new tree. But uh, if you want to keep it as a, a, a multiple stem thing, just thin them out to a three or four or, or so and then uh, take it from there. But as far as other plants, I'm in favor of planting groups of trees, not just individual things stuck out here and there. That's not natural. They don't grow yeah, as I well. Like plant two or three. Yeah, and, you know, and as, as far as, you know, you could plant a group of trees that make a, you know, floral designers always have something kind of roundy and heavy and something tall and willowy and frilly stuff. You could put a magnolia tree and a cypress tree and, uh, and a, a maple tree together, and collectively they look like a big flower bouquet. Or you could plant a group of cypress trees, which are real fast, and they don't interfere with power lines if you put them just four or five feet over because they have such a, a tall, straight trunk. But cy- bald cypress are not likely to break up in ice storms either. So anyway, there's too many choices for me to just say what would be my favorites. Well, thank you for your time. Man. Okay, good luck on it. And shoot me an email. We can get a little bit more detail, Larry, Jerry. Thank you, Elder. I will. All righty. Now, Let's go down to Laurie from, I think, Brandon? That's right. Hey, Laurie, what's up? Well, I just had a couple of questions. My first question is, well, uh, I planted pumpkins in July, uh-huh. and I never had any pumpkins in my containers. I was just wondering if you had any idea of why that would happen. What, you planted them in containers? Yes, very yeah. large containers. Yeah, you know, pumpkins and, uh, you know, squash and cucumbers is not that big a problem, but pumpkins take a lot of water. They have a, uh, they're, they're massive plants, and if you don't manage your fertilizer, if you, you know, you don't want to overdo it, but if you don't give them steady feeding and steady watering, then they're just going to shut down. Also keep in mind that, that, that they have separate male and female flowers, just like squash and cucumbers. And you might have just had a bad year where, where either you didn't have both male and female open at the same time, or there were no bees to pollinate uh, to take pollen from the male to the females. So you know, those, those, are, those are all possibilities. That's what I was worried about is pollinators. Yeah. But, um, so what? How next year? How should I? Um, well, first of all, if if you could plant a, you know, work up some dirt, you know, sometime before winter, you know, work it up and maybe plant some some pansies or something there to to sort of help the soil mellow. Uh, watermelons would do better in just real dirt, real dirt. But as, if you wanted to try them in containers, when they start flowering, uh, learn the difference between the male and female flowers. It's not hard to tell them apart. And then you can actually hand pollinate by taking the poll- a male flower and use it like a mascara brush and pollinate the female flowers, just like the bees do. A lot of people with squash do that. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, um, okay, here's my other question. I have a raised bed. Uh-huh. How many inches of soil for, like, just regular vegetables, such as tomatoes and okra and things like that, how many inches of soil do I need? To make a raised bed. Well, let me ask you: Is there what's beneath the raised bed? Is it dirt, or is it on a patio, or what? Um. Well, we put in the spring. We put down a 
one of those, those mesh barriers. Yeah, okay. Well, you don't have a raised bed. You've got rectangular containers sitting on top of the ground. A raised bed is partly sunk and partly raised, and that's a real advantage. Well, what you've got is just basically big, big pots, and you're going to need yeah. at least a foot of stuff, at least a foot for, for bigger plants like tomatoes and all. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. What you make? What do you make your beds out of? Uh, we just took some boards and we yeah. nailed them together in the yard yeah. of the big square. Yeah, well, you can, you're going to need a, a, at least a foot. You know, it's just like growing a five-gallon bucket. I can't grow a tomato in anything smaller than a five-gallon bucket. So, uh, you know, they, they need a pretty good bit. So I'm going to say a foot deep. And if you can get some, if you get some real dirt to mix in with your potting soil mix, uh, that firms it up. Potting soil is pretty light, dries out, and plants don't grow quite as well. Pure dirt is hard, but the combination of, of potting soil, uh, you know, organic matter, and real dirt seems to be the best of both worlds for 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 those kind of things. Well, uh, we actually started out with a lot, but then the it kind of compacted down, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that that happens. That happens. You you get you know, organic matter decomposed. You have to add fresh stuff every year. And you can you know you can grow stuff over the winter time like clover uh, over the winter time, and then turn it under you know mix it in with your dirt in the springtime. Well, uh, yeah, and I was thinking about covering it with leaves because I was going to ask you leaves versus pine straw. No, I, w- I would not. I would not use pine straw. Pine straw is uh, good for mulch, but it doesn't break down. It's too waxy. It it doesn't really break down and contribute. You know, to to the soils. I would just go with leaves, leaves and bark, bark and stuff, but not pine straw. Well, but you were saying, in your opinion. Well, I mean, I guess I could uh, plant something. You're saying clover. Yeah, you know, any kind of any kind of uh, overwintering crop. I mean, you could have kale out there right now, kale and pansies and stuff. And instead of just using it like a farmer, you know, grow stuff year round in it. That's a real advantage of, of raised beds. Is you can plant as soon as something's harvested, there's something else ready to go in that hole. Yeah, that's that, true. That, that's a real advantage. Can you so, do seeds this late? Uh, yeah, it's kind of late for seeds. So. Anyway, at least a foot of dirt. You're gonna have to add a, a couple of a, another board. Okay. Shoot me an email. I've been growing in raised beds and containers for many, many years. Shoot me a, a, an email, and we can get in a lot more detail. Okay. Uh, well, the little mesh barrier, do you think it's broken down by now? Or No. No, the mesh barrier is there forever. So, uh, oh, I see. I yeah. See. So, uh, you know, I, I would never recommend that. I always recommend digging the dirt beneath what you've got and adding stuff to your dirt so it's partly sunk and partly raised. That's the best of both worlds. So, oh, okay. Okay, well, shoot. Thank you. Okay, Laura, appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, the email, if you want to shoot us uh, one anytime, is garden at mpbonline.org. I think that I'm caught up on my emails. I'm, I think so. The, the, because uh, I was traveling a lot and because of the uh, blah, 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 some might have gotten buried. But I think I'm caught up. Garden at mpb online.org. I uh, want to, to remind you, we've got an interesting interview coming up in just a few minutes, but let's talk with Jack, who's, uh, where are you calling from, Jack? Hancock County? Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. What's up? Well, I wanted to follow up and, and, and tell you that I followed your advice, and I, I decided to start at the front of the elephant, and I've eaten the trunk and the skull and the ears. And <laughs> okay. Explain. I'm about halfway down the right front leg. Explain. What you talking well, about? Well, last, about a year ago, you and I talked, and I told you I had about 230 feet of uh, 
20-year-old azaleas that were 10 foot thick and right. 12 foot high. And I asked you how to take care of them, and you told me, do it like I eat an elephant, uh, one bite at a time. There you go. And and so I just wanted to update you on, on that adventure, and it, it continues. Oh, good. Uh, I've got another question, though. This past summer, I ran into a, a plant that I really like, and it, it was called a Texas Big Star um, Hibiscus. Hibiscus. Right. Are you familiar with them? I am. I knew they, I knew the rest of the name before you even finished it. And by the way, they call it Texas Star. It's native to Mississippi and Florida, too. Texans have a, 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 a call it good, call it bad, habit of branding everything Texas. It's a native uh, perennial and it does perfectly well, even up into Ohio. It's a good, hardy perennial. Uh, okay. Well, I, I bought a, uh, a couple of them, and I, I liked them so much I wanted to get more. But listen, after they flower, they form a little seed pot. Right, just like okra. And and I just happened to have some of those dried-out seed pods. Um, is there any way to tell if those seeds are fertile, or do I just Well, they'll, they'll, they'll look like okra seeds. They'll be hard and dark. But yeah. uh, in a hibiscus, okra is in a, they're all in the same family. Hibiscus, okra, you know, so and, and they're easy to grow from seed. But I'd wait till spring to to, to plant them. Okay, all right. It's about sometime around mid March then. Yeah. All it's, right. It, well, that sounds like great advice. I appreciate that, and I'll probably be growing some. I must have about this seed. So, thank you very much. Okay, you bet. Hey, the, pre- appreciate you calling, Jack. Before we take a break, uh, let's take one more call from, if we can, from Rebecca. Rebecca's been hanging in for quite a while. How are you? Are you calling from the icebox up in Fulton, Mississippi? Well, not quite an icebox, but it was pouring down rain earlier. Oh, yeah. Well, what can I help you with? No, I just want, I just called to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Well, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Woohoo! This uh, is a, uh, a harvest celebration. Right, and I, I was like, I, I started this thing. <laughs> we appreciate yeah. we appreciate a whole bunch, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Thank you. All righty, folks, we're going to take a real quick break, and uh, we've got a, an interview coming up with a guy named Pat Stone. Uh, again, I, I don't interview that many folks, and I really don't recommend products that much, but I think this is a real special one. So we'll be talking about that when we come back. This is some cheesy music. Uh, as far as things going on this weekend, there are some events going on. Uh, there's there's going to be uh, uh, a thing at Crosby Arboretum, and we're going to be talking about that later for, with children. There's also going to be a Camellia Society uh, the anniversary meeting down on the Gulf Coast starting Saturday. We're going to be talking about those when we come back. But uh, meanwhile, sit back, relax. I'm Horticulture's fellow rushing, Liz Gill, my producer. And uh, we're just enjoying this kind of being inside on a day like this. Stick with us, folks. We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Garden here in Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. All righty, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Uh, it's a story that I heard 
uh, from my great aunt, my great aunt uh, who was born back in the 1800s. And uh, back in, she told me they used to do this parlor game where they were a parlor game. They would get together and they would tell a story and everybody would fill in the blanks. I'll give you an a, example. Um, this is called The Wedding of the Flowers. Um, and it, it goes, goes like this. At the Wedding of the Flowers, there are lots of guests, flocks. They had, their, they had all left their beds early to arrive at the garden ceremony, which should start at four o'clock. Uh, should I continue? No, I, I got a better idea. Let's talk to a fella who specializes in the green part, the, the, the heart part of gardening, a guy named Pat Stone. Pat, you with me? I am, brother. I am. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine, Pat. Long, long time old friend Pat Stone from North Carolina. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine, big guy. I'm doing fine. I'm glad to know you're still cranking down the airway, entertaining and educating people forever. Well, you know, and there's so much, as you know, because you were an editor at uh, Mother Earth News for a long, long time, back when they were down in, in the South and all. As you know, there's so many people giving out the facts of gardening. Here's how you plant azaleas. Here's when you, you here's how you fertilize, you know, the how-to stuff. But when you left Mother Earth News, you decided that there was a different side of gardening that nobody in the mainstream media was 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 really touching on, and that's the heart of gardening. You started this publication, what's it been, 30 years now for green prints? I just printed the issue that closes out my 30th year. Wow. 30 years of green prints, sharing people's personal garden stories in a little magazine that's nicknamed the Weeder's Digest. There you go. There you go. And, uh, and by the way, congratulations. It was uh, Green Prince was named the best small garden magazine by Garden.com, which is the garden, used to be the Garden Writers Association. All the, the editors, publishers, writers, newspaper, magazines, radio, everybody agrees that, that uh, Green Prince, best small gardening magazine in the country. And, and, and by the way, congratulations for being honored as uh, being made a fellow of the Garden.com, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Congratulations. Thank you, fella. Thank you, fella. I appreciate it very much. I'm assuming you're a fellow, too. I am. I mean, you know, and, and when you get to be a fellow in a group like that, it means you can wear a bow tie and don't have to use deodorant, you know, because we've, we, we've made it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's, well, let's, it, it is nice to be acknowledged. It is nice. Here yes. your peers. People appreciate what you're doing, and they say, this guy's done it for 30 years. He's made this heartfelt, funny, intriguing, personal. Because gardening means so much to us. It means the fruit. It means the flowers. But it means all those inner rewards, the frustrations, the funny stories, the family experiences. And that's what I share in my magazine. A lot of his re- Yeah, and a lot of his reader written. People write in with, with personal anecdotes. <laughs> It's all reader written. I get stories from all over the country. I get stories from all over the world. I am the outlet for the heart of gardening, what really makes gardening nurturing, the whole experience. And I do it through people's stories, their funny stories, their tender stories. It's great fun. It's a wonderful, fun, upbeat, encouraging magazine to read or to give as a gift to people for the holidays. Yeah, we're going to get to that in just a second. And by the way, you and I have known each other since, what, the 1980s, 1990s? We we see each other at the garden writers meetings around the country, and we have seen some stuff. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what you want to refer to there, Bill. We've really seen the industry change. It's a tougher time for magazines. It it is a tough time. Well, it's a tough time for 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 the how to stuff because you can look that stuff up easily. But uh, your magazine is uh, it's not just important. It's kind of weird. 
kind of weird. You got some, uh, you know, people writing about things that are that 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 not only uplifting but really can be shocking or even tug at your heartstrings. I'm not going to go with weird. I'm going to go with varied variety. But it's really, you know, people love this magazine. People tell me they carry it with them everywhere they go. They laugh until they cry. That they would eat nothing but green, white, brown rice for three months to keep subscribing to Green Prince. When I raised the price for subscription last fall, because I, I had to, I hadn't raised in 19 years, I told subscribers that if anybody can't afford to renew, let me know and I'll work something out for you. And you, have you got and a thing where this, subscribers help with this? <clears throat> this is what's amazing. Not only did some people take me up on that offer, other subscribers sent me money pay for the subscriptions of people who could not renew. I had a woman send me $100 last week <clears throat> to pay for four people to resubscribe. Who ever heard of that? People donating money so other people can read the magazine. That's how much people love Green well, you know, uh, Pat, part, you know, part of, you know, when, when people ask you about Green Prince, you know, we've known each other a long time. Uh, you know, you came up with with four or five real important points that, that that hit the heart of gardening. One is that gardening means a lot to gardeners, but also gardeners take great comfort to each other. They do. There's a real human connection between gardeners. There's a real comfort. And there's the, the satisfaction, not the satisfaction, the relief of knowing other people mess up. You know, I share a lot of funny stories where people have had bad gardening mistakes. They tend to be azaleas. They didn't get big. They fertilize them over and over and over again. They died because they finally find the little tag on the dead plant. It was a dwarf azalea. You know, and you, know, yeah. you killed your plant. And those kind of stories are good for us because we all kill plants. We all commit plants. We've all messed up. So it's fun to get to laugh at yourself in that way. So well, I share a lot of those. Yeah, I'm, I, I just turned a manuscript for a book about diggers, determined independent gardeners, people who do, who don't even they, they don't color outside the lines. They don't even know there are any lines, and uh, and and well, they share autobiography. <laughs> well, you know, but they share with each other. But also, gardeners do know how to laugh at themselves. We we have to. But the more important. And, and by the way, before I mention this, this next point, uh, MPB, which is part of National Public Radio, uh, it's the same. People send money in our our, our uh, drive time so others can learn. And so, so, so yes. my my audience can identify with that. But uh, gardeners, but you guys asked for it. I didn't ask for it. You could just do this spontaneously. It's an incredible outburst of kindness. Yeah. yeah well, really one of the things that um, that's real important. People don't realize gardeners need good news. It's a weird world. It's yeah. a weird world. Gardening is is not food. It's not music. It's something that crosses every line you can imagine. And we need good news. Yeah. We're nonpartisan. So, that, we all need good news these days. The world seems, the media seems to be so negative. We all get so upset all the time. Gardening is encouraging. Gardening is positive. Gardening is beautiful. That's why we love it. And this magazine celebrates that. So, no, it's a positive, upbeat, wholesome, fun, enjoyable, just terrific mag. It really is. Like you say, it won awards. It sounds like a good holiday garden gift. Absolutely. A subscription's twenty four ninety five. You get four issues, you get a bonus issue, and I told, if people mention your name, Felder, I'll give them one more issue, make it six, <laughs> and your name carries weight. And the way to do it is to go to my website, which is green prints, like thumbprints that are colored green, 
greenprints.com. You can read sample stories there and look at pictures of the issues and get a better feel for it because it's a different map. So you need to kind of look at it so you get a feel for this, it. This greenprints.com. Is, uh, Greenprints is, is, is not a slick mag. It's not a slick guarding magazine. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thumbprint on your heart. Yeah, that's nicely put. It's like a reader's digest was. a small size. You can carry it in your hand. Sit down and read it. The stories are short. Read one or two at a time. Read it in the bathroom. Read it in the bed. You know, read it to relax. It's personal. It's warm. It's intimate. It is something that feels comfortable in your hand. Well, uh, when I found out that you're made a fellow, and that this is your 30th anniversary of this incredible little magazine, uh, I just, you know, I, I don't do a lot of interviews. I rarely recommend any kind of products, and I'm not even going to call this a product. It's a labor of love. <laughs> hey, hey, the listen. one that makes me a little money. <laughs> listen, listen, we, we got a scoop of, uh, Pat, here's a great big old hug, great big hug, and and I want people I, I'm going to give out the website again later, but it's good to talk with you. Congratulations on 30 years on being made a fellow of the Garden Writers. And, uh, man, I look forward to seeing you, Pat. All right. Thank you, fellow. Bless you very much. Man. All righty, folks. That was Pat Stone, editor, 30th anniversary of Green Prince, P-R-I-N-T-S, like thumbprint, greenprints.com. I, you know I don't recommend products. This is a really good one for folks who, 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 who need good, positive stuff. And don't we all need that right now? I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing. You've been tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener. Got some cheesy music coming up that's appropriate. Java's back in the driver's seat over there. Uh, Liz did a wonderful job. Liz was juggling everything. So we're going to be talking about gardening 100% when we come back from some cheesy, cheesy music. Uh, Me and Java, Liz Gill, all the folks here at MPB, we're going to take about a, 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 a... Long enough break to hear some cheesy music. We'll be right back.
Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and um, you're tuned in to Gestalt Gardeners, production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff in the next uh, little while. But if you have questions during the week, shoot me an email. Garden, or if you need more detail that I can get into uh, on kind of a generic uh, garden party type of thing, shoot me an email. Garden at mpbonline.org. I mentioned that there's uh, some things going on this weekend, and there are. The um, uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Camellia Society is having its 67th annual show. It's going to be Saturday, uh, November 23rd. Uh, from Is that no? That this week? Is this the 23rd or 7th? What, what is today? Today is the 22nd. <laughs> okay, so it is tomorrow. Whew, time is flying. I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks because, Java, I was in Oklahoma with the Master Gardens a couple of weeks ago, and then we got bumped by politics last week. Yeah, and you, I remember because when you were in Oklahoma, somebody called in who was from Oklahoma. From, uh, that, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Anyway, the uh, the Camillo Society is having a show. It's going to be at the Lyman Community Center, which is Highway 49, just north of Gulfport, Lyman L-Y-M-A-N Community Center. Uh, it's open to the public from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock, and it's free. Uh, also, uh, th- this this weekend, there's going to be a Kids Nature Craft Day. That's going to be at the Crosby Arboretum down, down at Picayune. It's uh, 5 bucks for kids, uh, but they're going to learn how to make seasonal crafts using stuff that they find in those wonderful uh, Crosby Arboretum, all the woods and around the ponds and stuff, seed pods and leaves and sticks and twigs. They can learn how to make seasonal crafts. Um, so anyway, it's uh, free to member adults, but the kids, five bucks. Um, also, uh, tomorrow afternoon, uh, from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock at the uh, uh, Crosby Arboretum, they're going to have a fall botany field walk. All sorts of real interesting stuff going on there right now, uh, including pitcher plants and uh, just too much stuff. Anyway, that's going to be Saturday uh, in the afternoon at Crosby Arboretum down at Picayune. Now, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I want to uh, mention, again, the email for Pat Stone and his green prints. Wonderful little magazine. Terrific lot reader. He calls it the Weeder's Digest. And uh, just go check it out at uh, um, greenprints.com. I think you'll really enjoy that. If you got somebody who likes to read or likes positive stuff and, and uh, funny stuff and and stories of people surviving the horrible things that we all survive in our gardens, check it out. Now, let's go uh, to Madison, talk with Roger. Hey, Roger, thank you for calling, man. What's up? Uh, Felder, you, you kind of jumped the gun a little bit. We still, Jamie, oh, still, Jamie's still, still getting uh, Roger queued up, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it looks like it's ready to go now. And you will be correct. Hey, Roger. How are you, sir? Hello. What's up? Uh, this past spring, I cut back my lantana, and they, I had good plants, but uh, they never did bloom. So I was wondering, do I need to cut them back now in the fall and not in the spring and uh, just try and, and find out what I need to do? And what kind of plants were they again? Lantana. Yeah, lantana. Yeah, lantana is... Uh, it's you know it's an over the summer kind of thing, and if you cut, here's something odd about lantana. If you cut it back too hard, it tends to get winter damage. So if, if you go ahead and cut them back to uh, oh four, five, six inches tall. Okay, I've been yeah. cutting them back to the ground too. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, leaves and stuff. It's one of the few plants that if you cut it back too far, it actually decays it. Uh, one of the things I would do though, Roger, is go ahead and get you some. Uh, there's a little daffodil called tete a tete. 
T E T E A T E T E. Get your handful okay. of those and, and, and put two or three around each of those plants. It'll give you something to look at over the wintertime. And when they get through blooming, just as their foliage dies down, the lantana will come in. So, in other words, get okay. double duty out of that spot. So, cut them back right now. Yeah, they, uh, about the, four, and leave them about four or five inches above the ground. Though. That's right. And if you'll stick some, like I say, the little tete-a-tete daffodil, is, it, it multiplies, and it'll give you something real sweet to look at in the wintertime because the lantana is not that pretty. You can also spray paint the, the stubs if you leave them. Okay. <laughs> that, that's optional, but tete-a-tete daffodil is more palatable to the neighbors. Well, I sure do appreciate it, okay. and you have a good day. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate it. Okay, folks, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, mpb ring uh, This past week I had a uh, little dental work done, and, uh, you know, so that's what happens when you get old. Like my mother said one time, she said if, I, if she said if she knew she was going to get that old, she'd have taken better care of her teeth. Well, uh, I've got a, under the care of a really nice guy. He does so wonderful work, but he had to take off one of those implant things for a little while. And I hate to get kind of gross, but uh, guess what I'm getting at is I was trying to make it look all blingy by putting refrigerator magnets on it. Refrigerator magnets won't stick to titanium. <laughs> Oh, boy, if you can see my big old smile right now. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on in the garden. Um, I, I mentioned I set out some roses yesterday. I did. I dug nice wide holes, pr- loosened up it pretty deep, a good solid shovel's depth, uh, a little extra wide. And when I pull the roses out of the pot, like I do with all of my plants, I loosen up the potting soil uh, right over the hole, stir that into my native dirt. And that's the only soil prep I did. Uh, just uh, uh, loosen up the roots, stir that potting soil in. Uh, to your native dirt, and the plants will get started. It's almost bare-rooting them. It sounds like a horrible thing, but those plants get established better. They'll have stronger root systems. Uh, and if you don't pull plants out, if you pull plants out of the pot sticking right in the ground without loosening their roots, they tend to rot because that, that little hole becomes a socket, which is what made me think about my, my tooth. Anyway, long story short, it's a good time to set out plants, if you'll, but be sure to loosen up the potting soil and the roots when you do that. Uh, now let's go to, uh, let's talk to Billy, calling from Benton. Hey, Billy, good morning, sir. How are you doing today? So far, so good. You asked a question about some leftover seeds I had for my garden. Can, mm-hmm. what, what conditions can I store them in under where they'll come up next year? Well, the, the, the general rule is, is cool and dry. You know, you could put them in the refrigerator if you want to, but that's not necessary. But I, I put mine in little paper bags and, and not plastic bags because they sweat. But little right. paper bags and just write not not only the name of it, but what year, because otherwise you're going to find stuff five years from now and not know how old it is. But paper bags <laughs> yeah. and then just keep them indoors in a dry place. That'll work. I appreciate that. Thank you. You, you bet, Billy. Appreciate your call. Okay, now let's go down to Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Glenda, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks what's... for taking my call and sure. happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Coming up, I have some amaryllis. They are, you know, up with these beautiful green up. And I called about six weeks ago, about eight weeks, and you said I could move a few of them. They're just kind of in the wrong place. But you said wait, you know, for six weeks. So uh, can I move them now? Now, what kind of plant again? <laughs> Amarillo. Amarillo. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you yeah. can dig them. I, I would go in and replant them as soon as you could. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. now they'll you know they'll store dry, 
But, you know, if you go ahead and, and, and dig them and move them while you're at it, you're done with it. And then mulch them, and they should do perfectly fine. If you need okay. to keep them out of the ground for a while, just, uh, you know, if they got a bunch of big floppy leaves, uh, the leaves on mine got boogered up pretty bad by last week's freeze, but they're still fine. Cut off any tall or, or floppy stuff. Okay, I can cut that off. And you had said, I remember that you said, I don't have to cover them with, you know, plastic Heck when the no. weather gets cold. Heck don't no. have to do that to them. And that was huge for me. Yep. Because yep. I'll go, I'm forgotten. I got to get out there and cover those things. So, no, no, no. Thank you don't. You, so yeah, much. you bet. Now, if you live up in Tennessee, you might have to cover amaryllis up. But along the Gulf Coast, they can, you know, they spread almost like weeds. They're great plants. Thank you so much, Felder. All right. Very nice. Appreciate Thank it. Bye bye. Thank you, Glenda. Okay, folks, we got the lines open. If you want to give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. I had a, a, a whole bunch of emails this past week that uh, that that were well, you know, they were they were they were interesting. Uh, but one of them was about cold frames. Uh, the guy wanted to know if he put a couple of bales of, of hay out and put a glass window on top, could he grow greens through the wintertime? It's called a cold frame. And uh, you could do that, but I'm afraid here in the south, if you put a bale of hay out there, it's going to be a hay bale-shaped fire ant mound. Uh, I would just use wood. Uh, make you some frames that are maybe, oh, four, five, six inches tall on the south side and then sloped up to the north. In other words, slanted towards the south so it gets all the sun uh, in the wintertime. The sun's real low in the sky. So typically a cold frame is going to be uh, higher in the back on the north end, lower in the in the south. And I'd only keep it a few inches or a foot or so, maybe two feet at the most at the back high so it keeps um, so, so it doesn't you know, get get too cold in there. In other words, keep it insulated. If you want to put hay bales around the sides, particularly the north side to protect it from cold winter winds, that would be nice. But in general, a uh, cold frame is to protect plants down to about the lower 20s. It won't help that much below then. And uh, it, really important, if you're going to do this, make sure you can open, the, the, open it up during the daytime when the sun's out, even if it's uh, freezing temperatures, even if it's 30, 32 degrees on a sunny day, it can overheat, just like uh, leaving a, a dog in a car or something like that. You want to crack a window, is what I'm saying, let the extra heat out. And if it's going to get really, really cold, you can throw a blanket or something like that over the top for extra insulation. So cold frames, slanted towards the south, not too tall, uh, Keep it cracked on a sunny day and then be prepared to cover it up if it's going to get really, really cold. Even then, uh, I would only grow a few things like lettuces that are real fast so uh, you can get a crop before it gets too cold. Or something like kale. Well, there's no reason to grow kale and uh, collards and stuff like that in a cold frame because they grow just out in the open. And let's go down to Macomb to Pike County and talk with Kay. Good morning, lady. How are you? Uh-oh. It didn't have the... Okay, Kay, are you with me? Hello. Hey, Kay. How are you? I'm good. Got a question. I have a rose bush that I, <clears throat> excuse me, after my mother passed away, mm-hmm. uh, she had this one rose that grew in her backyard, and I dug it up, separated it into about five plants. Uh-huh. And, and it's been doing real good. I'm, I don't have a green thumb, so I've been kind of babying it. But I've noticed that the lower stems are turning black on some of them. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Uh, you know, the, the stems on typically what I do with my roses, and I grow, I don't know, uh, sweet, I, hello, 
Are you yeah, pl- I'm still here. Okay. Uh, on my roses, I prune them pretty hard in the wintertime. Uh, you know, just get them down to a oh, foot, foot and a half, two feet tall at the most. And then the black stuff and the dead stuff, the brown stuff, I just prune that out. So it's 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 not unusual for parts of roses, uh, and stems and everything to die. So I just okay. just cut that stuff out. Um, go ahead and cut the plants back in the winter. It, you know, now that we've had a freeze, you could cut them back now. Just um, cut them back. What about? No, oh, the foot, foot and a half or something like that. Most people wait till January or February to prune them. But, you know, the main, you go out there and sort of clean them up right now and then do your hard pruning in a couple of months. Okay. But the black okay. stuff, just, just cut it out. Cut it out right where it starts. Like, don't leave any stubs. And if, if there's no green showing after that? Yeah. You know, cut it if you can cut it below there. In other words, sometimes you have to cut a plant that's that's struggling, have to cut it back so that it sprouts out, you know, below the damage. So you okay. you can cut a rose back to just a few inches tall, and it'll branch. As long as it's not oh. grafted, it'll branch back out. Right, right. So okay. cut, cut it and below the did dead I stuff. Need to cover it up with anything in particular. Did uh, did Mama? Pardon? Did Mama? She she didn't hardly do anything. There you go. <laughs> That'll tell you something. Mama knew best. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. You bet, I Gay. worried with those legs. Pray over them and everything else. Pray over them, but also prune them. And keep your okay. fingers crossed. Finger, finger crossed uh, works, too. Thank you. <laughs> you bet. That was Kay and McComb. we got a couple of other calls on the line. We're going to go to uh, uh, down in Louisiana and all over the place. I'm a horticulturist, fell to rushing. A lot of stuff going on right now. Uh, one of the roses I planted yesterday... I can't pronounce it right because it's French, but it sounds, it looks like it should be said Souvenir de la Maison. Souvenir de la Maison. Anyway, it's, a, it's an old rose. It's got big, frilly, full flowers, and it smells, oh, it smells like a rose is supposed to smell. It's an ever blooming old garden rose. Um, Malmay's son, souvenir de Malmay's son. Anyway, his contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101 podcast everywhere. <laughs> Okay, dog folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. We're talking about gardening for the next little while. If you got something on your mind, give us a call or shoot us an email. Uh, I got a uh, a couple of emails while while we were. Uh, let me see if I can find. It. Here we go. Uh, Leela wrote. Leela doesn't say her last name. With this cold weather, we just had a couple of plants that unexpectedly froze. Hey, welcome to my world, Leela. Plants that normally can take fifteen degrees froze last week because it dropped so suddenly from warm down to cold. Anyway, my chase tree, my milkweed, both had blooms on the chase tree, has a few green leaves sprouting out underneath the dead leaves. How how far should I cut them back now that's warmed up? Uh, Leela, I wouldn't prune plants. You know, if you want to cut off dead or damaged stuff right now, you certainly can. A lot of stuff just melted. Uh, and a lot of plants had flowers and leaves on them that froze. Uh, my, my figs did that. But I wouldn't prune plants hard right now. I'd wait another uh, month or so because we want to make sure they're fully dormant before you cut them back. A lot of, the chase tree can take 
zero degrees. It'll grow really, really far, a lot further north. doesn't need a lot of pruning. So uh, I would just neaten them up right now and do any kind of hard pruning uh, some, sometime uh, December, January, sometime like that. Now, let's talk with uh, Pat calling from Savannah, Tennessee. Hey, Pat, how are you? Good morning. Thank you for being here for us. Sure. Uh, I have a question. I heard you say figs. I said, oh, he has big problems this year, too. But I have two beautiful fig trees, and uh, they bloom, and they had so much greenery on them this year. But um, I'm trying to protect them from the cold. So my question is, what can I do to take care of them? I don't want them to freeze. The first year, they're about three years old now. Uh-huh. In the, in the first year, they froze, and I had to uh, cut those bad ones off. I got some beautiful, nice uh, limbs, and I'm trying to protect them. So the question is, what do I do to keep them from freezing? Well, you know, Pat, uh, in, in, you know, I've, I've seen fig trees growing in Scotland where it gets really, really cold, but they have them up against a, a, a wall. So one of the things, uh, where, where is Savannah? What part of Tennessee is Savannah in? You, you know where Pulaski is? Yeah. It's west. Okay, okay. Well, you know, there's not much you can do except pile a bunch of leaves around them. And I'm, I'm not talking about just a little little pile, but a thick pile of real tree leaves, not pine straw or anything like that. But if you got some neighbors, got some bags where they, they bag the leaves, if you'll put it uh, two or three feet high and over about five feet across, big old pile of stuff, that'll protect the, the, the trunk. And if you have a hard enough freeze that's going to kill it down to there, it'll sprout back out. But not much you can do to protect the, the upper parts. If it gets cold, really cold, or stays cold for a long time, so you know, it's just part of. They should do okay, but if you could just protect them with a good thick blanket of just real tree leaves. Well, you—I won't stay long, but you have answered my question. I have a lot of leaves. I have a lot of trees, so I'm gonna go out there and pile them about three or four feet high at the trunk. Because that's what I was wondering about, whether it freezes the trunk. That'll, that'll that, cover them up. Yeah, three three feet should do fine. If you do more than that, your neighbor's gonna talk about you. And I, I have sheets on top of them, but I have the sheets from the top. I got up there and pinned, uh, pinned them with safety pins. I got two sheets covering the top, so I don't know. Should I keep leave them on there? The sheets I, I, w- I would only put the sheets over it, Pat, when it gets really, really cold. If okay. it's going to okay. get down below 20, if it gets in the teens or below, I throw it over there. But when it warms back up, take it off because they sort of like the little cold weather. It's just not hard for I'd only cover okay. them up down in the teens or below. You've answered my question. Thank you, sir. Pat, appreciate your call. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, we're going to do a neck jerking from, from Tennessee down to Covington, Louisiana. Hey, Polly, how are you this morning? Hey, Felder, I'm good. And yourself? So far, so good. Good. I have a question about my daughter's kumquat tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it got damaged a year or so ago in a freeze. It's always been just full, full, full of, right. of kumquat. Um, it's like half of it is dead and half of it's alive. Also, she put a little garden in underneath it with some uh, pansies. You know, not a whole, whole bunch of dirt, but right. a little bit. Um, what do you think? Is it salvageable? Well, it, it's hard to say because, you know, okay. and I hate to hate to sound like that, you know, trying to minimize the, the problem here, but I lose plants, too. Sometimes a whole plant, sometimes part of them. And my rule of thumb is just like plucking eyebrows. Cut out the dead stuff and whatever's left, hope it does okay. 
you know, okay. kumquat, the, the trees will normally take cold weather. You know, they'll, there's one of the, the cold hardy citrus plants, but you right. know, they, they'll lose their flowers and fruit some years, but not much you can do except keep it cut back kind of small, treat it more like a, like a bush than a tree. And that okay. way, if it's going to get down below, oh, 25 or so, you know, throw something over to protect it temporarily. And that's okay. about, a, and just cut out the dead stuff. This is, this just, even the toughest plants, uh, some of my roses, some of my other shrubs, I just have to cut parts out from time to time because they don't, they, they don't grow for me just because I'm a horticulturist. Right. Okay, good. Well, we'll give it a try. Thank oh, you so much. Good luck on it, Polly. Appreciate oh. it. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. I got a, a, an email from, uh, from a guy named Stephen Flood. He says, uh, can you tell me? Excuse me. Uh, this is this from from Marcella McKay. Can you tell me what this is on my magnolia tree? <laughs> she sent me a picture, and I do this a pretty good bit. It's only on one of of seven trees. Magnolias get a type of insect called scale. Uh, S C A L E. It's a little sort of like plant ticks. They crawl on to the new growth. They cover themselves with a waxy covering. They lose their legs, and they just sit there stuck on and suck sap. And that's what you've got on this. Not much you can do about it uh, this time of year. If you wait uh, a little bit later, you can spray the trees with what's called dormant oil. It's what it's called. Garden Center's Care, dormant oil. Uh, it's a natural product. What it does is it spreads over the, the, the trees, and it basically suffocates the scale. This is what horticulturists do to their fruit trees. They have problems with scale. Wintertime, they spray with dormant oil. And that's about all you can do. Not much else practical. So, um, you know, that's my approach. Uh, I don't think we have time for any more calls. If you want to squeeze one in real quick, you could. But uh, let me throw out again, the Camellia Society is having its 67th annual show uh, down just north of Gulfport at the Lyman Community Center on Highway 49. I think that you would enjoy that uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, One of the things that that I've always enjoyed doing this time of year is planting stuff and then going back out a couple of days later, and replanting it because the squirrels dug it up. Uh, I planted kale. I planted pansies. I planted some oddball things, and the squirrels must have planted. They they must have buried some acorns or pecans or something there because they dug it all up. Uh, but worse than that, a few weeks ago, I planted some pansies in kale for my daughter-in-law. Now, now we're talking about the wife of the guy who's going to decide what old folks' home I go into. I planted kale and pansies, and uh, three days later, a deer came by and ate them all. People want to know, what can I do to control, keep deer? If there was something that I could do to keep my daughter-in-law's plants that I planted from dying and being eaten by deer, I'd do it. So there's some things we don't have a solution to. That's all it is to it. We just don't have a good solution. So just cheer up, pull ourselves up, replant. Uh, that's part of the beauty of gardening. I interviewed Pat Stone from Green Prince, greenprince.com. Hope you get a chance to check that out. Meanwhile, uh, Thanksgiving next week, I, I, we're not going to be here next week, are we? Okay, we can take a holiday off next week. But if you want to shoot me an email during the week, garden at mpbonline.org, I'll get right to it. I'm horticulturist Phil Rushing. Uh, Java and Jamie and Liz and all the other folks here at MPB, we wish y'all a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe and be careful. Take a kid to a garden center, get them a sack of bulbs, and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all in a couple of weeks.